Well, welcome back to Three Putt Par. My name is Mike Caridi. I'm your host. Episode number nine, for those of you that have been here on the journey so far, uh, welcome back. And for anyone who's a new listener just jumping on board, thanks for coming. Hopefully, you get something out of today's chat. It is an ongoing chat about the week in golf and the week upcoming. We will be doing a few little um, episodes coming up specifically around the Ryder Cup. But this week, we are talking all about the massive break uh, that the PGA Tour has had and they're back from now week one of the new season in Napa. We will talk a little bit about the European Tour as well, the BMW PGA Championship over there as well. Um, Each week, as you know, if you have been listening, I do have a different guest on. This week's guest is a little bit of a theme guest. So I try to think about how we can spice up the off season um, and I've got someone on that's going to talk to us a little bit about all things wine because we are in the Napa Valley for the PGA Tour. So it's only right that we start talking wine. The best person to come on and talk about wine is a good friend of mine, Jordan Gravestein. Jordan, welcome. Mike, how are you, mate? Good. I say a good mate of mine. You are a person who's seen me play golf. I don't know if I don't remember <laughs> if I played well or not. We played at Moona Links on the yes. Legends course a while back. You're still playing out at Moona? I am, yeah, still a member out at Moona, and um, you've got a better memory than I do because I couldn't remember which course we played, but <laughs> um, I can't remember playing well myself, but um, I remember hearing your story and what you do and thinking, man, this guy's, this guy's got it sorted. Um, and I, I, I remember you. I re- you remember you playing some decent golf, so I, I only you remember one shot. in my memory. Oh, that's cool. Well, that's great. Well, we probably will never play golf again just so that I can <laughs> at least be a great golfer to one person. <laughs> Um, I remember we played the Legends because I remember hitting one good shot and it's the short par four. It must be like 10 or 11, maybe. Okay. Um, the drivable par four. And I tried to do that because um, and put it in the bunker and then hit a, a, I just remember hitting a bunker shot where I had one leg up right, right, like right up in the air off, off the ledge and, and hit a beautiful bunker shot out. I don't know how I did it, but I remember whoever we were playing with was really impressed as well. But that's all I remember about that day. That was a good day. Yeah, it was good to meet you. That's- that's the eleventh, yeah. It's, a, it's rated the easiest hole in the course, but I'm still yet to score well on that. Yeah. So I think it's just because it's short. I mean, but at the end of the day, it's you've either got to have a crack with, at the, the driver, which is a really tough shot, or lay up, and then you're at an awkward wedge. So yeah, it's, mm. like, I, I can get why it's probably ranked number number eighteen, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Those courses, those holes on those courses, tend to trip trip me up a little bit, which is uh, mm. always the way. Um, but you are a mad golfer. But you're also into wine, so maybe give us a, give the listeners a little bit of an understanding of you and wine to start with. Yeah, um, so I had a previous life in real estate and uh, was raised in Brisbane. Um, spent seven years selling houses through Brisbane, but all of my passions in life are: I love the AFL, I obviously love my golf, uh, love wine, love the food culture, restaurant culture uh, side of things. And so every time while I was living in Brisbane, we'd go on holidays to Melbourne. I never wanted to leave. I always had the best time uh, while I was in Melbourne. And so after seven years, I'd selling houses in Brisbane, uh, made the decision that I really want to have a bit of a change. I want to go chase you know, the things I love, being being footy, golf and wine and things like that. So left my whole career behind, left all my networks and past clients and things like that, friends, family, uh, and moved to Melbourne. Really only had a handful of friends down here, um, no family. Uh, got a great job in a great agency, um, selling houses through Albert Park in Port Melbourne, in Melbourne South. Uh, did that right up until COVID, essentially. Um, and it was at that COVID 
sort of juncture that I got to take a step back and go, okay, that was 10 years selling houses. What does the next 10 years look like? Um, and I suppose I, I want my, my story to, to be maybe a little bit of a you know, eye-opener for punters having a listen now as well because I think a lot of people share the same sentiment. Um, I didn't want to do it for the next 10 years. I really wanted to chase something that I was really passionate in. Um, and so I thought, oh, I've got nothing to lose. I'll, I'll apply for every job that's available in the wine industry in Melbourne. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was coming out of COVID. The job market was still really, really tight. So I still remember I applied for 48 jobs yeah. in the wine industry on Seek um, and 47 of them all came back or didn't come back at all and said, you know, thanks, but no thanks. We, we don't need a real estate agent um, here. We need people to be able to sell wine. Um, but there was one company that came back to me and said, we'll have a chat with you. And, and that was a business by the name of Coravin, mm. uh, which some people might be familiar with. Um, essentially, they're a device which you'll find all over the world in the best restaurants and wineries that preserves wine. So you can mm. pour a glass of wine without having to take the cap off or without having to pull the cork um, because if you open a bottle of wine on Monday, by Wednesday or Thursday, it's tasting pretty bad. Mm. Um, and so Coravin stops that. And so my job was to basically sell this device throughout Victoria and Tassie. Um, it did involve a couple of trips to Tasmania, and I did make sure yeah. there was time to, to pop into Barnboogle on Good. all of those trips. Um, and so that was two years working in the wine industry, lots of wineries, restaurants. Um, And it's only just been recently that a winery by the name of Hentley Farm in the Barossa, which I know you're you're familiar with, Mike, yes, um, has reached out and and asked me to take over uh, looking after Victoria and Tassie uh, for for them and their brands. So I've now gone from selling those devices to actually selling the juice itself. um, And yeah, absolutely loving loving my time in it. So um, I'd absolutely encourage anyone, you know, if, you are looking at trying to make a change that um, absolutely it's possible to get into those industries that you love. I think your testament to that, um, and I encourage people, you know, take take the leap of faith and um, give it a go. Yeah, no, mate, it's a good story. I think, uh, yeah, they always say like, if you find a job you love, you never never work another day in your life. And I think, yeah, just doing something that you clearly had a passion for is only going to make you happier. I think. The day I met you, I remember you talked about Coravin, and I, I it rang a bell. I knew of devices like it, but God, I've seen a lot of it around since. I mean, I think uh, I might even have sent you a, a photo of a wine list of what I don't remember what restaurant. Yeah, you did. In. And I'm like, oh, there you go. Uh, I know it was a Japanese place in Melbourne, um, Kasume. I think they have it. Yep. Um, and it was like a full page, and they call out Coravin because they can pretty much open all these amazing bottles and sell them. You know, buy the glass rather than someone mm. reaching into their pocket and maybe only wanting a glass or two. So it was, it's a great idea. It's um and and a few few my friends that are very much into wine, um yeah they, they've got they've got their own units at home that to keep their own stuff nice and uh, fresh. Yeah, no, so I'm looking forward to having a, a fun conversation. You know, talking wine, golf, um, yeah. all the things I love. So it should be a fun fun and chat. Henley Farm was um yeah we visited that. Oh God, it must have been four. Four or five years ago now, maybe five or six years ago, um, mm-hmm. and I just remember it being like a, it was a Barossa summer, so it was like it oh, was right around Christmas, New Year's. It was like forty degrees every day, uh, and we went in for a tasting and to go to lunch there. And the, lunch, the restaurant is just amazing, and mm-hmm. we sat in the little tasting um, cottage on the side there, um, yep. and they brought out these beautiful wines. and And as soon as you mentioned the name Hentley Farm, I'm like, I've definitely been there, and I'm sure I've got something cellaring. Um, and they had, the, and I had the bottle of the beast 
And yep. I just remember them having the beauty and the beast. And we had, we tried them both. And I was like, no, I actually quite like the beast. So we bought one of those to take home and sell it, which was, yeah, which is not ready yet. So I will drink that at some point though, for sure. No, well, we'll have to catch up some point and I'll go digging around and see if I can find a, an old beast as well. And we can uh, share them and, and have a look at the two side by side. I love that idea. Red wine and uh, talking about red wine and golf will be fine. Yeah, we, we, and, and I was actually <laughs> going to say, surely when you stopped selling houses, it was much easier to make friends than being working in alcohol than it was selling houses. Surely, and no one likes real estate agents. Nobody. <laughs> it's a bit like that, isn't it? Um, yeah, yeah there, there, it was a lot easier, or you certainly had a lot more to talk about when you'd be at a party or the pub or something like that. And oh, what do you do? What do you do? Yeah. You, know, you stay a real estate agent, and that garners a certain number of emotions with the other person. Yeah. Um, but you say, I work in the wine industry, and all of a sudden, eyebrows raise, and it's like, oh, I want to talk to you. Yeah, that's um, it. So, no, it has been epic fun. And the other thing you said, which you are going to get pulled up on, which you're not across the fact that you are about to get pulled up on. Anyone that follows your socials is probably asking the same question. Now, you said you love <laughs> AFL. And oh, yeah. You lived in go. Brisbane, right? But you clearly barrack for two AFL teams, which is a cardinal sin. Is that correct? Are, are you going yeah. to testify to that? No, 100% guilty. Um, hanging hanging at the town square at midday. <laughs> um, and by, mind yeah. you, if you, you've picked, I mean, this is the right year to follow those two teams. So tell it firstly, tell me how you ended up following two teams, which no one else does. Because you, I'm not just saying like, oh, people have a soft spot. No, you've got like scarves and kit. Like you follow both teams. So tell us how uh, you follow both teams and which ones they are. Yeah, no, I'm a paid up member of both Brisbane and Carlton. Um, I've got all the merch and I'll watch every single game without fail. If if Brizzy's in Melbourne, it'll be you know two games live that weekend. Um, and yeah, I cop a hell of a lot of flack for it, but most most people sort of shut up a little bit when I can tell them more about their team than they can yeah. about their own team or, or tell me about my team kind of thing. Yeah. Um, as to how it came about, I was, as I mentioned, born and, and raised in, in Brisbane, um, was going through primary school during that 2001-2003 era. Um, and so just you couldn't you couldn't ignore the Lions as a primary school kid, you know, yeah. and they're winning grand finals back to back. And and so absolutely fell in love with the team. And, you know, my earliest memories of going to the footy is, is going to the Gabba to watch the Lions. And I just, I, I just remember every single, this is going to really piss off some people, but I just remember every single weekend going to the Gabba and knowing we were going to sing the song. Yeah. And that, that's like my earliest memories of footy. Um, but then on the other side of the coin, um, my whole family is Carlton bar my grandfather. Um, and so not to, to get too far back, but, but Gravestein, you know, we're, we're Dutch heritage. My, my uh, great-grandfather and grandfather came out from Amsterdam, um, didn't speak a lick of Engl- English, uh, got a job in Collingwood. This is my grandfather I'm talking about, got a job in Collingwood. And every mm-hmm. Friday, the factory workers would be going somewhere um, and my grandfather never knew where they were going. So one Friday he followed them and they were either going to Victoria Park in Collingwood or to the pub to yeah. go watch the Pies play. And so just to fit in with, you know, everyone there, he became a Pies fan. And then my dad being the oldest of eight and a bit of an arsehole, he, he, he knows I call him this when I tell this story, um, said, well, if grandpa or dad goes for Collingwood, I'm going to go for Carlton just yep. to piss him off. Yep. And so you've got, 
my grandfather at the top of the tree as a Collingwood fan and yeah. then just generations of <laughs> Gravesteins afterwards. There'd, there'd be 40, 50 of us all mad Carlton fans. Yeah. And so, you know, there's photos of me as a two-year-old down at Prince's Park in 95 and things like that. And, yeah. you know, the Navy, the Navy blue is definitely in the blood. Yeah. Um, I, on the weekend um, when we got up over Sydney, I had my old man next to me, you know, and that was the first time the two of us had seen Carlton win a final together since since 95. Um, you know, I shed a tear at the footy. So tell me, I'm tell, tell me, I'm not a fan of both. No, no, no. I, I've got no doubt you're a fan of both. <laughs> I'm more curious of what happens next week if you win this week. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm stuffed. I'm stuffed. <laughs> you, you, I, surely you'd be flying up to Brisbane for the game if the Blues win this week. Uh, so I've already got my flights booked to yep. be in Queensland on that weekend. Perfect. But it's, but it's not for the footy. Oh, you got work. I've got a dickhead mate. Oh. I decided to get married on the twenty <laughs> of September. God, there you go. I mean, his Bucks, so his Bucks Day. Normally, it's a Bucks Day or something uh, at most, uh, or, or people cop it in Spring Carnival a lot, but in not too many run with the footy finals, especially for people oh. if they're in Melbourne. I've made my displeasure known to him a lot. <laughs> oh, that's good, mate. Um, well, there you go. So we know a little bit about you with your golf, your footy, um, your wine background. Um, they're playing golf in Napa this week. Do you know much mm. about Napa region, or can you give us um, any any specific specialties that they would? I mean, I think it's Reds. I'm guessing. Don't know. Yeah, it's a pretty warm climate. Um, the Napa, the Napa is a, a ripping spot to grow wine, and I wish we saw more of it in Australia. But just due to tax reasons and, mm. and currency conversions, it's just not economically viable for a lot of them to to make it to Australia. But the um, the Napa. Kind of, it's it's been around as a wine region since the late 1700s, but um, through phylloxera, which is a disease that um, wiped out a lot of the vines at the same time as prohibition coming in mm-hmm. in the states in sort of the early 1920s, yeah. 30s, 30s thereabouts. Yeah. Um, all the vines basically either got pulled out or abandoned essentially, and it mm-hmm. wasn't till sort of the 50s and 60s that the the wine industries came back to a came back alive in in the Napa but then what happened after that which really took the world by storm was something called the judgment of Paris in 1976 and I know this is sounding a bit like a history lesson but no, anytime a- anytime you can um, get one up on the French um, it's a story worth telling and essentially the judgment of Paris was a group of Chardonnays and Cabernets from the Napa Valley mm-hmm. up against a bunch of Burgundies and Bordeaux from France and at the time, Burgundy and Bordeaux, France was the king of making wine. You know, no one could come close to them. Tiger Woods with the rest of the field yeah. kind of thing. Um, and so in this judgment of Paris, they had these wines from America up against the wines from France, and they were tasted blind by all the judges. So the judges didn't know which one was which, and they had to judge them. And most of the judges were actually French as well. Um, long story short, the American wines eclipsed it and the american wines beat the the french wines and so that just took the world by storm the french were upset and you know really angry about this result um and it really just set a match to the napa valley uh, wine region and and to, still to today some of those labels um are, are highly sought after and commanding really, really big prices um but in terms of what you'd see there um it's probably not too dissimilar to south australia for us mm-hmm. Um, a little bit like McLaren Valley and the Barossa, it's a warm region. So you see a lot of the red varietals, um, Shiraz, or they call it Syrah, um, 
Cabernet. Uh, they have a great Zinfandel, which uh, they grow a lot of over there. Um, and a lot of the big oaky um, Californian Chardonnays are, are pretty well world renowned as well. So um, if if there's anyone going over there, I'm in, I'm incredibly jealous because um, it is one of the great wine regions of the world. It's um. It's, I don't know a lot about the wines. The only yeah, I'm I'm like as you're telling that story, I'm laughing to myself because in my brain, the only thing I think of when it comes to Napa is the movie Sideways, and it's not. We're not uh, drinking not, any. <laughs> that's it. I'm not drinking any fucking Merlot. It's just like <laughs> it's such a good movie. Uh, if anyone hasn't watched it, please uh, watch Sideways. No, they're not directly in Napa. I think they're right near there or whatever it is. But it's so so funny. Um, and I actually was listening to a podcast this week. Uh, called the Rewatchables, and the guys are in the states, and they go back and they they've done probably three hundred and fifty films, and they do an hour mm. and a half talking about them, and they go in depth about the best quotes, the best this, people that were up for the roles that didn't get them, and it's just amazing. And I listened to Sideways this week in preparation, and I just was like literally laughing <laughs> at so many good things in that in that movie around literally this movie. He hates Merlot, only wants to drink Pinot, and supposedly Merlot sales went through the floor. Like across Correct. the states, just because of that film, like this film was up for Oscars, so everyone saw it, and no one drank Merlot after that. It's just awesome. I love it. I I, I still reckon there's a little bit of like a residual, um, a bit of that sort of still trailing today. Like you still, every time someone talks about Merlot, that that quote is is brought up, um, yeah. certainly within the in the wine world. And so I think there's still a little bit, um, still hanging on to that. Yeah, it's so it's um yeah highly recommended. Well, two things there recommended. One. The movie Sideways, also if you haven't seen it, but also the the podcast, um, the rewatchables. If 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 you've got a favorite movie, I can guarantee they've reviewed it, and and I would highly recommend listening to the guys talk about it. That they're excellent, mate. Now it's it's onto the really really important part of the podcast, um, where we play Lucky Sevens. Now I know you know some of these questions, but we're going to run through them anyway, just to give people a bit of an understanding about you and your golf. Uh, more than anything else, because you do love your golf. Um, favorite golf course you've ever been lucky enough to play? Yeah, I was thinking about this on the drive today, and um, I've played, you know, most of the ones through Tassie and all the rest of it. But January this year was in Queenstown and played Jack's Point, nice. and that place will live with me for a long, yeah. long time. It's a beautiful ex- golf course. What an exquisite place! Yeah. I played like absolute crap. <laughs> but it didn't but it didn't matter like it was just exquisite i um i knew that i'd married the right woman when we were on our honeymoon in new zealand and uh she was driving me around in a golf cart at jack's point and i was like yeah i've made the right choice here um yeah it was it was just a it's a beautiful golf course you feel like you're, i felt like i was playing in front of an oil painting with the remarkables mountain range there it's just ridiculous like and when um, when you when you play Australian courses, you know time and time and time and time again, yeah, you feel like you're on another planet. Yeah. Like the the you can see the golf ball against the backdrop yeah. of the Black Mountains, and you know that's just something you don't get no. in Australia. Um, no. So no, Jack's Point probably takes a cake for me so far. Very very good choice. Uh, number one on the must playlist. Um, it could be. All the big ones that are pretty cliche and things like that. Um, I, uh, St. Andrews is obviously the one that I probably feel the most draw to. Um, yeah. I, I much prefer playing a links a Lynx style of golf to perhaps things like Augusta and yeah. Motto 
trees ruin golf courses. I hate trees. And St. Andrews, there's not too many, there's not too many trees. So um St. Andrews and and you know, maybe just to make it a little bit different, the 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 St. Andrews in reverse. Yeah, that'd be cool. That would be cool. Not too many people have been able to do that. I think it might have been Rory not long ago, either talked about wanting to do it or just did it. But yeah, I think that would be that would be really really. That's a, actually I really like that answer. Um, St Andrews just to be a bit different. Yeah, and no, I love it. Um, you can only have one: the Masters or the Open Championship. Which one is it? The Open for me. The Open. Okay, I think we're getting about a fifty-fifty run now. I think early doors it was the Masters, and and I think most Aussies are going to probably answer the Open. I think. Yeah, um, I've, I'm not too not too fond of green wearing green. Oh, it's a um. Yeah, there's a lot of green. The grass is ridiculous. Um, yeah, but the jacket, you wouldn't, I mean, yeah, if, if it wasn't so prestigious, a jacket, you definitely wouldn't get around in a green jacket. A striped drive or a flushed iron? Which one would you prefer? You can only have one. Might you, if, if In your head, you're standing on the tee box and you just launch into a driver and you barely feel the ball off a club. You've hit it that well and it just sails dead straight for miles or exactly the same feeling but with an iron. I mean, 100 150. 30 meters, iron just absolutely pure, a little bit of backspin. Which one? Which one's the preference? Yeah, I don't know either of those feelings, so no. we'll have to use <laughs> have to use the imagination. But, That's it. Um, pro- pro- probably the driver. Probably the, the driver. driver? Um, okay. Just seeing the ball sail off, you know, 200, 200 300 meters um, yeah. is a pretty good feeling. No, that's um, true. Again, I'm probably with you. Don't 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 feel that. Um, don't have that feeling too often. Um, putting, pin in or pin out. Um, I'm generally always pin out. Um, I can't remember who it was, but someone taught me mentally the, the the hole looks bigger with the pin out. And ever since he said that, I just seem to drain more putts when yeah. when the pin's out. So I'm pretty religious in in taking it out, and it annoys the old codgers I play with at Myrtle yeah. Links to no end because they like to have it in for some reason. Um, but no pin out for sure. Yeah, nothing annoys me more than the old codgers who leave the flag in and then reef their ball out with the side of their oh. putter out of the side of the hole and the flag. It's like, what are you doing? Just take the flag out. Just carving up the inside of the cup while oh, they do I know. it. I know. Um, now, I know you travel a bit to get down to Muna, so I've I, I got a feeling where your answer is going to go with this. So are you a dew sweeper? Are you off first thing in the morning or are you a half sets and sunsets? Get out in the afternoons, late afternoons. Which one's your preference? Um, if we're playing, you know, the Saturday comp and things like that, it's usually sort of around the 10.30 tea time, which I know some people will be pretty jealous of because it does mean that's essentially your entire day gone, yep. but that's the life of, um, you know, not having kids and things like that. Um, but then if it's, you know, daylight savings and summertime, uh, absolutely love a sunset round for sure. I'm no good in the morning. I reckon I, I'm a three-stroke better golfer after midday. <laughs> I'm a three-stroke better golfer in the heat. If it's forty yeah, right. degrees, I'm better. I'm better at forty than I am at twenty. I don't know why. Interesting. I have a bad back. Maybe I move better. I'm not sure. But no, I, I think I'm probably. I'm, I'm definitely more afternoons though. Like I, nothing better for me than that twilight. Um, head down the golf course on a Tuesday night, six o'clock. Speaker hanging off the side of the golf bag, and just drop a couple of golf balls, and you know, just enjoy enjoy life. Man, I'm so ready for summer now. <laughs> well, you're, you're going to get it this weekend. I think it's going to be 27 by the weekend, so you'll be you'll be mm-hmm. fine. Um, now, this one's a, a bit of a thinking one. So, 
a favorite golf memento or keepsake? Some people have it at home. Some people don't have any, or some people might have it in their golf bag. Something that they think of as their as their number one thing. Do you have anything? I've got like Bundrigal putter cover. Yep. Um, that probably takes takes it. Like that, as soon as you asked the question, that was the first that thing that it. popped into into my head. And I'll tell you the story why. Um, as I mentioned before, I was in Tassie just by myself. Um, went on the Spirit of Tasmania to to for work, obviously. Um, jumped on the Spirit of Tassie down into um, obviously the north of of Tasmania. Driving by myself morning sunrise straight to Van Bugle, played completely by myself as the sun's rising and all the rest of it. Yeah. Um and just one of the most serene, uh amazing experiences. You know, no music, no nothing, just me in the golf bag. Played reasonably, which which sometimes helps. Um and just thinking, you know, like this is this is I'm, I'm working, you know, at the moment I'm here for work, you know, played a morning round of golf at Barn Boogle. I've got yeah. to go punch out a few wineries and, and restaurants after this and, and yeah. just being super grateful for being alive that morning. Um, yeah. and, and I bought a little black leather putter cover to commemorate it and um, yeah, still have it today. And I think every time you pull it out of the bag, you sort of sits in the back of your head. So hmm. um, that would probably be the one. No, no hole in one ball to put on the mantelpiece yet for me. Not alone. I've got a hole in one ball, but it is it is on a on a little thing. But it's sitting in a cupboard somewhere. In, I don't know where it is. It's not on my desk or anything. It's it's a million years old. I need a fresh one. I'd love to have another one. But it's, <laughs> it's, it just doesn't work that way. Um, can't buy one. No, you can't. Um, now this question isn't one of the the, the sevens, but um, we talked a little bit bit about before recording around golf personalities and how they would relate to say a wine, right? So. Um, I'm going to get you to give me three. I'm going to put you right on the spot. You're already looking at me weird. So, um, no, 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 because I've, I've got one that I want you to answer for me. Oh, so good. I'll give you do two. And, I love it. And then I want you to you you to find the golfer for the wine. Yes, do it. So I'll kick off with with Bryson DeChambeau. So if Bryson DeChambeau was a wine, what would he be? Yes. Um, there's a winery in Heathcote called Wild Duck Creek. Um, they've been there for, for a pretty long time, you know, the 70s they set up shop. But they are world-renowned for making the biggest, boldest, you know, punchiest, muscular uh, red wines, particularly Shiraz, um, out of Heathcote. You know, you'll often see them at 15 16 even above 16% alcohol. Um, you pour it into the glass and it's just rich and opulent and um, powerful. And so mm. if if Bryson was the one, I'd, I'd be saying he's Wild Duck Creek Reserve Shiraz. You can Google that up. You might be able to find it at Dan Murphy's or something like that if you want to try a bit of Bryson Bryson juice. That doesn't like sound it. too good. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, like, uh, I like Heathcote. One of my favorite wineries, Whistling Eagle, is out that way. So I, do, uh, I will keep an eye, an eye out for that. Um, and then I've got, I've got, I could do this all day long, but I've, <laughs> I've got to pick a good one here. I'll go with, um, Cam Smith, yep. uh, the local hero. And actually I'll, I'll put in a little plug to the business I work for, Hentley Farm. You might've tried it when you're at the cellar door, but they make a wine called the Quintessential. Um, mm. and it's a blend of Shiraz and Cabernet together. Um, and this is a Quintessential. Australian blend. It's something that we invented in South Australia. It's something that no one else is doing anywhere in the world. Um, it's very, very different. It's very, very Australian. It's very quirky. Um, all things that I think we could use to describe Cam Smith with, you know, the yes. haircut and the 
the getup that he's going around with. Yep. Um, but then on the other side of the coin, it's an unbelievable wine. It's world-renowned. Um, it wins heaps of awards, um, and it's just an absolute ripper. Um, so if Cam Smith was a wine, I'd say he's the Hentley Farm Quintessential Shiraz Cabernet. Um, and then I've got one for you. So okay. one of my favorite wineries in the Yarra Valley is Mount Mary, mm-hmm. and they make a beautiful Pinot Noir. So we're talking a light, luscious, sexy, elegant, um, red fruits, sort of strawberries and things like that. So if it was a golfer, it would be someone who's, you know, light on their feet, elegant, yeah. but still, but still, you know, very, very serious. Yeah. Who would that be? It's funny. Uh, the first person that jumped to my mind is Colin Morikawa. Colin Morikawa is a very, he's very light on his feet. Um, He's absolute silk when it comes to his irons. I feel like he's the he's the Mount Mary, the Mount Mary. No, that that, that is a ripping. That is a ripping. You happy analogy. with that? Um, yes, yeah, you you you've knocked that one out of the park. <laughs> good. No, I love that. I can do that forever. Like you're saying, that's awesome. I love it. And all credit to you, mate. That that was your idea to, to do those, and that was awesome. I really appreciate that. That was great. Hopefully, the people there can uh, get onto it. And if anyone wants to listen to that and think that was great, and wants to send. Uh, Jordan and I, a bottle of Mount Mary Quintet or something like that. Just send it. It's great. Just, just, just send them over. We, we will uh, take payment in, vine- in in wine, no problem whatsoever. If there's a punter out there that um, there's a golfer in mind and they wouldn't mind seeing the, the wine equivalent, send us a message and, yeah. and we'll make sure that they can rock down to Dan Murphy's and try the Tyrell Hatton of yes. uh, of the wine world. God. Tyrell. he's on the shit list. Um, <laughs> he's, he's he's the uh, he's the um, <laughs> I was gonna, I was gonna bag an Australian winery there, but I won't. I'll just pause. Uh, Tyrrell is not in my good books, but I think that's a good idea. I think if anyone's got uh, something that they think, send it through, and I'll make sure to put them up, put them up on the socials because I love it. Um, I'll put a put a photo of the wine up with um with the pics. Um, this week was a it was an okay week in in golf. It wasn't a massive week. I mean, we had a few big players running around with Rory being out there at the Irish Open. Um, I think everyone thought he was going to win. The final round, he was right there. I think he was one or two off the lead. But he did a little bit what Rory does. Um, he just couldn't close. He just didn't quite get there. Um, he no, didn't quite get there. He 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 really didn't get there, and it was just due to a, probably a really poor back nine, and two, in the, two or three in the water over the day, and two of them on the one hole. Um, I think hitting one in the water when you're trying to push to get the win is one thing, but doing it twice is just... Is just for a guy of that caliber in Ireland, I thought was was pretty disappointing. I mean, he doesn't need the win. Um, the man who did get the win was Vincent. Don't call me Sharky Norman. Um, I th- I'm pretty sure he did add the extra R in when Liv launched, just so no one mixed him and him and Greg up. He shot 65 to to win by shot. Now 65 today. If you look at the leaders' scores, no one was even close to that. Most guys were shooting even par in the back nine, maybe one under. Um, he was seven under par from the seventh with no bogeys. So that's mm. that's exceptional golf for a guy who won his first PGA Tour event uh, middle of this year. Um, it was really, really good to see him win. I, I think if it wasn't this week, um, he was definitely in our in our picks for round one leader. No, he was this week. He was. So he was in... <laughs> that's good. We should have had him in the winning picks. Um, so he was 50 to one in um, in the round one leader pick. So he would have been about 30 to one for the, for the overall win. So uh, Vincent Norman was the winner. So well done there to him. He will shoot right up the rankings in the um, in all the race to Dubai stats. Uh, the other guys that play well this week, Ryan Fox, Shane Lowry, Minwoo Lee, all finished really strong top 10. Uh, last week, 
and we will get to play Mike versus the mug in a little bit, Jordan. But last week, Will picked three players, and they all finished top 17. My players were all rubbish, one of them being Tyrell. Um, so I donated 50 bucks to Lifeline. I, I donated it on Saturday. That's how poor I was going. Uh, I knew I couldn't possibly win So after two rounds. So two of my guys missed the cut, and one was right at the back in Tom Hoagie. So, yeah, the uh, the money went to Lifeline, so 50 bucks went there. Um, thank you to Will. He did offer to put up $50 to Movember if he, if I beat him, um, but he gets to keep his money this time around. Um, it, it was pretty disappointing from Tyrrell. The, the one thing I'm probably most disappointed, I know we talked about him as a, as a, as a um, is it yellow, what's it called? Yellow, what's the Aussie one? Yellowtail. 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 Oh. It's just something that I'm not going to buy. Um, we can we can bag yellowtail. That's yeah, all right. cool. All right, so he's yellowtail. Uh, Tyrrell, I'm not going near it. Um, I'm sure that some people enjoy it, but he's not for me. Um, he's going to be on my list for a while now. The part that I'm really getting frustrated for him on is he's just mental. Like he just as soon as something goes wrong, his emotions he can't he can't control them, and he's got to fix that. He just has to fix it. Um, I made a note here around Jamie Glazier, who's Lucas Herbert's mental coach. I mean, Jamie could make millions off this guy. He's just getting him sorted out. Um, he really, really, really needs to – I'm sure he's working on it, but he, I just can't see another highlight of him yelling at a putt or carrying on like a pork chop. It's just it's just weird. I find it weird anyway. Do you do that when you miss well, it's the kind. Of, it's, the, it's the kind of thing that you do see on, on the golf course on a Saturday. Like You think yeah. people are playing for sheep stations and millions of dollars. And, yeah. They're carrying on like their, their life depends on it. And um, look, hey, we've all missed parts that we should have gone yeah. and, and had a stern word to ourselves. But at the end of the day, we're, we're chasing a, a white golf ball. I know. At least, I mean, like you said, they are probably, they are playing for sheep stations. He doesn't need the money. And I get that it's he's, he's, got, a, he's got a big investment in wanting to win, but I just don't, I don't know. I, I just feel like it's it's the part of his game that it is lacking and he needs to fix. Um, do you do you think it's the same for Rory then? Do you think it's the mental side for him or no? I think for Rory, I mean, I think Rory has a lot of pressure on him in places like um, Ireland, obviously when he plays, and I feel like he he probably would have felt a lot a, a lot of pressure to win yesterday specifically because he was right in the hunt and the guys that are around him weren't exactly big names, but I just feel like he just wasn't couldn't couldn't get it running. Um, and then he, he pushed a little too hard and, and rinsed a couple. But I feel like for him, he's done it so many times, but won so many times, it probably doesn't affect him like it does maybe Tyrrell or, or even the, the, definitely the lesser, lesser golfers than that. Um, I think for him, it was probably just the old tale of to win a golf tournament, you not only have to play your best, but you have to beat a per, everyone else who could be having the best day of their lives. Like this, mm-hmm. you know, Vince Norman, seven under through seven, is uh, from from the seventh on, like, no one got close to that, and he mm. probably couldn't do that again. Last week there was a girl that won on the on the LPGA. She'd missed like nine cuts in a row and hadn't broken par in a stroke event. Oh, sorry, in an event since March, and she mm. went out and wins an LPGA event. Like you just need you catch lightning in a bottle one day, and it's hard to beat. And and, and clearly Vincent did, um, and maybe Rory pushed a little too hard trying to catch him. But yeah. That's that's. I mean, I watched the. It's the sixteenth that he put the two balls in the water. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. yeah. You know, you look at the shot from behind where he's shooting, and you can see the green. You can see the water on the right. And yeah. As an as an amateur, you look at that and you go, "You've got no right to to go for that <laughs> pin." Like, and and a part of me goes, 
yeah, you're the best in the world. But another yeah. part of me goes, you greedy bastard. Like, <laughs> ah, exactly. Just... <laughs> it's at risk reward. Play a safe shot. Play, play, play a safe shot and walk, walk out with your birdie. Like that was, he was yeah. going for eagle. He wasn't even going for. Yeah, he was trying to get that. Um, well, he, he makes birdie and he's right. You know, he's he's one hundred percent right back in the mix. He's lost by I think he lost by four, off the top of my head, maybe five. Um, yeah, you, you just can't. Yeah, if one thing we've learned in golf over over the years: the harder you push, there's a good chance it's it's just not going to work out for you. Mm. And that's that's what it looked like, didn't it? Mm, definitely. Uh, the email we send out, if you do want to get on the email, we've had a few more people sign on this week. Email us at threeputtpodcast at gmail.com or flick me a note on Instagram. Um, the tips were just so close again last week. We didn't we didn't have the winner. We didn't have Vincent Norman. Uh, we did have Jordan Smith as our pick for the round one leader, and he was leading through the morning. So I went to bed through the morning. Uh, Jordan Smith was winning. I'm like, fantastic. I'm a chance here to win some some money. He's paying $50. Um, and Shabanka Sharma eagled his last hole to pip, <laughs> pip him by a shot. So uh, uh, he was at six and, and Sharma got to seven. So that was disappointing. Another thing that I went to bed, we have a three-ball multi um, or a parlay, as the Americans call it, for round one. So we had three different groups. We're trying to pick the lowest score in each group. We had Smith to beat Langaska Migliosi, which we got. We had Pepperell to beat Lagergren and Sullivan, which we got. And the only other one that we needed was Tyrrell Hatton beat Adam Scott and Luke Donald. And I went, wow, this is a 50-50. We know Luke Donald's not going to get there. It's either Scott or Hatton, and Hatton's the better of the two at the moment. Well, Hatton shot, I think, the worst score of the day. And Luke Donald, who's about 107, uh, shot the best <laughs> score. I think Luke Donald was paying like $4 in a, in a three-ball multi. So, uh, yeah, Hatton cost us a gain there. So thanks thanks very much, Jill. That was, that was really good. So. If you do want to hear more about losing betting um, or doing some losing tips, just jump on the email. Um, we have had some winners and hopefully we'll find some more this week. Um, the other bets that we had this week all around the grounds, um, we had uh, we didn't really have a bet. We had we, we said Ling Grant, the favorite in the in the LPGA, looked pretty good. She's been playing great golf. She didn't play well this week. She missed the cut. Um, but we sort of maybe said have a have a dollar on her into Rory as a double. They're paying about fifty dollars. Uh, Minji Lee, the Aussie, won uh, at the Queen City Championship. She won a playoff over Charlie Hull. Um, Minji was miles ahead, five shot lead through ten. Uh, over the next six holes, she just evaporated. She hit one OB. I don't know if you got to see any of it. It was playing like Moona Lynx. Think of Moona Lynx, a flat Moona Lynx. Um, absolutely rock hard and fast and blowing straight downwind. So Jeez. watching them play the play a few of the holes. I mean, I think it was the it was in the playoff hole. Um Charlie Hull hit a shot. It landed 10 meters short of the green, jumped on and then rolled through like a freight train straight into the grandstands where she had to get relief. And she nearly made the putt to win on that first playoff hole. But it was just so hard and fast. It was awesome to watch. Um uh, just um, awesome to watch people thinking, you know, you watch so many golf tournaments where these guys are firing it into flags, knowing exactly where it's going to land, hitting something, spinning back. And the opposite for this event, it felt like the girls were trying to figure out, well, I need to land this 10 meters short because then it'll jump on. And if I can somehow get this to sit, it's going to only roll out 20 meters, which will give me mm. a 30 meter part or whatever it is. It was just so interesting to watch versus a normal a normal event, um, which has you know been a bit common of late. The, the women's golf being a bit bit more interesting to watch. 
Um, other than that, there wasn't a lot going on in golf this week. The only other thing that was going on uh, for the men's side was the Ryder Cups coming up in two weeks' time, and the U.S. team was practicing at Marco Simone. There was a lot of um, a lot of photos going around. The only three players that weren't there were Jordan Spieth, who's I think he's getting married, or he's something was going on. Oh no, sorry, he's, he's um he's having a baby, so wife's due, so he wasn't able to get over there. Um, but the other two that I knew weren't there, but I didn't know why was Xander Shoffley and Patrick Cantlay, who were best buddies. But the No Laying Up podcast today um, outed them. It was um, Paddy Cantlay was having his Bucks Day. So he's had his Bucks Aww. Day um, on the same weekend that the uh, Ryder Cup team was heading over to practice. So that's a bit of an interesting um, clash there to, to say, no, thanks, Captain. I can't make it to practice. I'm, I'm on a Bucks Day. How do you reckon those conversations? Yeah, how do you reckon those conversations went down? I don't know. Oh, look, he'd want to have a he'd want to have receipts that he booked it well in advance. I mean, it it is their off season. I get that, but I mean, he knew it was very unlikely that either of those guys weren't playing in the Ryder Cup, and it is in two weeks' time. So he'd have to think he was going to get over there for a practice game. Mm. I'm probably not super shocked. I'm probably actually more shocked. I mean, we're going to get to this week's event in a moment, but um, Justin Thomas and Max Homer were there. And they're playing back in Napa this week. So they've shot over to Italy for practice and then whoosh, straight back on the plane over to Napa. So um, it's in Rome, isn't it? Yeah, it's in Rome. So yeah. shoot over to Italy, play golf for a couple of days, then shoot back to, to Cal- Northern California. Um, I probably was a little bit more surprised by that than um, Cantlay missing because of his bucks. <laughs> Um, this week's event, as we've talked about, it is in the Napa Valley. Uh, it's at the Silverado Resort, the Fortinet Championship. Uh, we will send the whole breakdown out on the email, as I said, so if you do want it, jump on board. Uh, it's been played here since 2014. Uh, the year before that, they just moved it to be the first event of the season. So um, they changed back then from a uh, the calendar to start in this time of year rather than normal calendar year, which we're going back to next year, um, funnily enough. Uh, Johnny Miller redesigned in 2011. He removed a lot of bunkers, widened the fairways, replaced the Kikuyu with some Ryan bluegrass. Uh, lots of rain over winter. I was reading the reports from the PGA Tour this week. They had 50 plus inches of rain this year. Normally they get about 20, so they flooded a couple of times. Um, lots of stuff was washed out. It's come up pretty well. They said they've had a pretty um, reasonable season since. Um, a few of the holes have switched around, but it will be it will be in good nick. Weather looks perfect. This this is if you want to think about perfect weather for golf, twenty to seven to thirty degrees every day, no rain and no real wind. But that's mm. sign me up for that every day, every single that's, day of the year. That's called Queensland winter. Yeah, no, but in Queensland summer you get rain. We don't, <laughs> we don't get as much rain here in Melbourne. It's the funniest part about living in Melbourne is we we have winter and winter and summer and summer, and we have pretty much four seasons every day of the year. But people in people in Queensland and probably New South Wales talking about Melbourne winter as being quite cold, which it is because it's supposed to be. But we don't get a lot of rain in summer. Touchwood. No, you, that's fair. Brisbane, Brisbane, um, Brisbane normally gets a bit. I found the last few years are getting more and more tropical too. Uh, over summer, but when you're describing what you said before, sort of 27 degrees, sunny, yeah. no rain, like that, that is a Queensland winter, and yeah. If you ever need to get away from Melbourne during winter to play golf, oh my god, get up to Southeast Queensland. Yeah, I, I um I did that a couple of years ago in November. Might have been last year. No, it was last year because I went up and watched the Aussie PGA. So um that was perfect for that. Golf, beautiful, nice and hot before Melbourne got real hot, which was which was perfect. 
Um, Max Homer won here the last two years. Before that, Stuart Sink, Cameron Champ, and Kevin Tway won, and Brandis still won the two years before that. Uh, big names this week. Justin Thomas, as we said, is back from his trip to Rome with Max Homer. Lucas Herbert, Matt Kuchar, Akshay Bhatia, um, and a lot of Corn Ferry grads in the older B-set. So if you think about this season, first of the year, a lot of guys still aren't back. Uh, the bigger names and the biggest names are obviously getting ready for the Ryder Cup. So the field's going to be full of guys like, with all due respect, Aaron Badley is probably going to get a run, um, that older set, but you're also going to see some guys that have been coming off the Corn Ferry Tour. So guys that are battle-hardened um, this time of year tend to play well. So I'll be keeping a real, real good eye on the Corn Ferry grads that are going to play between now and you know end of this calendar year because they're ready to go and they want to play as well as they can because they'll have a reshuffle and it'll mean that if they play well now, they'll be able to get into more events come the start of next year um, when their re-rank happens. Stats we like. So stats, strokes gain T to green here as key here. Last year, um, of the guys that finished T9 or better, all bar one ranked 21st or better in those stat, in that stat. Uh, get your wedges ready. Shots from 100 to 125 yards. Um, so we talked before about flushing wedges. Um, this is one where you really, really, really need to be hot. About 18% of your shots into green is going to be from that distance. Strokes game putting um, is, is a benefit here. It's one of those courses where obviously putting is important every single week. But if you look at what stats are important, here is a place where you just need to make parts or you're not going to get there. Um, it's not You're just not going to um, play well. And if you play well on bent, even better. Um, and the course also rates highly for guys that do well around the green. So strokes gain around the green is a stat that we're going to look at as well. Do you track any stats when you play golf at all? And obviously not down to that depth, but do you count putts or do anything like that? I usually pull up, I think it's one of the tailor-made apps um, to get distances. I don't have a laser or anything like that, a viewfinder. Yep. So I use the apps and that obviously tracks it um, all relatively well. But um, no, I'm, I've... Don't get that heavy into the stats. I'm pretty happy if I can just middle middle the ball. Yeah, I was going to say most people don't. I think most people use an app now to um do that sort of stuff, GPS for everything. But I didn't know there was one that sort of kept all your does it keep all your stats or not your stats? Does it keep everything yeah. for you? Okay, yeah, fair, fairways hit and greens and reg and things like that for sure. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, maybe I've got to get onto that. I, I, it's one of those things that every time I think about tracking, I think, oh, it's just too hard. But that definitely wouldn't make it that hard if it was all there to be done. The um, the odds aren't up yet, so it's, we're not going to be able to go through the odds of the tournament just yet. We will put it in the uh, email. Um, effectively, the biggest names are going to be at the top of the pointy end of the board. So Max Homer is going to be up there. And so will um, Justin Thomas, I'm sure, even though he hasn't been playing that well. But... You've done your homework. You've you've come up with three players in Mike versus the Mug. So this is Mike versus the Mug for anyone that hasn't listened before. Jordan's going to pick three players that are playing at the Fortinet, and he, I'm going to pick three players. He gets to pick all of his three first. He gets the free run of the board. If any of his players, any one of them, beat my three, I donate $50 to charity. Simple as that. Um, my theory is... I do all this data. Hopefully it's worth something. And I want someone who doesn't know all that data to come and pick and we can then measure. Um, we're probably running about three times I've paid up out of eight. So five, five, three, I'm up. We'll call it. Um, and last year I was last week I was trampled. So maybe you can do it. <laughs> maybe you can do it again. So Jordan, number one, who's your pick? Going with local boy, Lucas Herbert as uh, out of the box seat. Yep. Um, 
I've listened to him talking on a couple of podcasts and, you know, he's a Bendigo lad, so just up the road yes. and, um, you know, he didn't do terribly well at the Open and things like that. But um, well, he's just due. He's due for to take the world on and um, I just really hope he can put one together. Agree. I think he's in the last year of his status, so he will need to play well this year to maintain, which I think he will. Um, and I think he's a great pick. I think that Aussies tend to do well on the West Coast. Um, and he's the top line Aussie playing here. So good first pick. Number two pick. Who have you got? Safe Figala. Oh, yes. Another good was pick. He one of, was he one of yours or no, 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 no. Uh, I he would have he would have been one. I wouldn't have looked at Herbie, but I would definitely am always nervous when I see Aussies on the West Coast. Um, but Sahith would have been one that I would have looked at. Um definitely. Because he hasn't he hasn't won yet, has he? Uh, no, he's gone very close twice. So he nearly won Phoenix a couple of years ago. Um, mm. and then nearly won another one not long after he had a couple of heartbreaks. He's the one most people would know him from, um, full swing. Full swing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, and definitely, you know, that's where, where I, you know, really came across his name, um, more times and it just seems like such a, such a lad, such a great yeah. guy. Um, Playing I've watched him play, I've watched him play golf and, um, it's all it's all there. He's just got to put together, um, like like everyone else, really. <laughs> yeah. Um, Agree. And- he's he's uh, finished fifteenth at the FedEx. Uh, sorry, thirteenth at the FedEx, fifteenth at BMW. Here, he finished sixth last year and two years ago finished fourteenth. So, again, for a guy who's not been around that long, those numbers all make sense, which is another good pick. Who's your third pick? Now I don't know. Can I can I have Maxi? Of course you can. You can have anyone you like. I just want to put I want to put good vibes out there going into the finals with you know Max going for the three peat Brisbane yep. Lions obviously having a three peat back in the day yep. you know there's just good good synergies there um, we all love a three peat maybe not Collingwood fans but no. um, but he, uh, I'll go Maxie in third he, he's hard to bet against um, so Max has won here two years in a row he definitely has a fondness for his home state he finished ninth at the Tour Championships fifth at the BMW and sixth at the FedEx so. 100% will be the red-hot favorite in this event, and you were mad if you didn't pick him because I would have picked him just to annoy you. Um, <laughs> so, no, can't can't argue with that at all. Um, there's no there's no, um, no rules. You get to pick whoever you like. Um, so, for me, I'm going to pick... Uh, I'm going to go with a couple of random ones, or not random ones, but just some different people. So, I'm going to follow your lead first up and pick a an Aussie. I'm going to pick Big Cam Davis. Um, Australian Open winner at the Lakes maybe six years ago. Um, has been showing a bit of flash of form. Again, I'm just literally going with my theory that he's a guy that could play well here um, just because Aussies play well this part of the world. Next up, I'm going to go on a bit of a um, fewer data's. I'm going to toss up between two guys, and I know I'm going to go the wrong way here. Uh, <laughs> no, I'll go with this guy. I'm going to go with Stephen Jager. Um, I, you know, I'm going to pick both these guys because that effectively I'm just going to go pure data this week. So Stephen Jager, uh, 43rd here, not a lot of great form here. Um, 20th at FedEx, 14th at the Wyndham. Um, again, not quite sure how we'll go. Um, it is a bit of a tricky one because as much as we we joke about these guys having their off season being one week, like you know, I'm sure they've been practicing, but it's not not like they've, you know, definitively been out 
grinding away. So how anyone's going, we just don't know. Mm. Um, and the last one they're going to go with again is a bit of a bit of a risk. I'm going to go with JJ Spawn. Now JJ, um, again ranks number two in my data. I don't know why. Oh, I can tell you why. It's because he's fourth in scrambling, 35, 35th in strokes gained tee to green, 40th off the tee. Uh, and 41st in strokes gain approach from 100 to 125 yards. So they're all the they're all the stats we talked about before. So he's going to be my pick. He ranks number two right behind Max Homer. Um, hasn't got amazing form here. Hasn't got amazing form coming in 24th of the FedEx, but he's going to be my guy. So we've got, you've got Lucas Herbert, Sahith Thigala, and Max Homer, or Cam Davis, Stephen Yeager, and JJ Spawn. So they are the ones we are betting away. Are you comfortable with your picks? I'm pretty happy with that. Pretty happy. Good. Oh, well, you got the red hot favorite. You can't can't argue with that. I'm just hoping that Max comes home with. He's very tired after a big week. He's just going to a uh, big week in 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 Italy. He's too worried about the Ryder Cup. He's just had his first baby. Um, who knows? Maybe he doesn't get any sleep. That's that's my only hope to beat Max this week. I think. <laughs> yeah, uh, it could be fair. Like travel takes it out of you. It does. It does. Um, one other event this week, we're not going to go super in-depth. It will be in the email if you do want to get it, um, just three-part podcast at gmail.com. Uh, it's a BMW championship at Wentworth, um, massive event. It's been here forever. It's been here since 1972, and it's been at Wentworth since 84. So it's been a long, around for a long time. Um, all the, the whole Ryder Cup team is playing here. The, the whole 12 Euro team is playing here. Um, plus Minwoo, Aaron Ride, Justin Rose, Adam Scott, Tom Kim, Big, big, big field. Much, much better field than what we're seeing at the Fortinet. Um, classic tr- tree-line course designed by Harry Colt, redesigned by Ernie Els. I've got a funny Thomas Bjorn might even have a house that backs onto this course. Um, expecting the winning score to be around 17 to 21 under. Um, it will be a really good week. be very interesting to see how these guys go. Uh, just with their, their last real hit out before the Ryder Cup. So how many guys are there just to work on pairings like will they will you know not they're obviously going to play ambrose but are they going to put a couple of the guys that we might see partnered up together playing in the same group just to sort of hang out for a bit and um do things like that be interesting to see um it's a course where again strokes gain off the tee is going to be important you need to be accurate here you need to be really good with your pro shots into greens because if you're not close you're just not going to make any putts Greens in reg and then strokes gained around the greens are very, very important. Full breakdown in the email, including uh, all of the um, players ranked um, on Euro data. So we run Euro data for Europe and then uh, US data for the PGA Tour. Um, it is gets a bit messy when you have them cross over because they don't obviously line up. I don't have European Tour stats for Rory McIlroy, even though he's playing this week as an example, but we will spell it all out in the email. Jordan, thank you very much for being here. No, my pleasure, mate. Thanks for having me. Have you had anyone on that is a higher handicap than 14? Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, for sure. 14 is a good handicap. Well, I don't know. I was I listened to Will Cade and you know, he came on and talking about, you know, making par and I'm going, hush, you know. (laughs) Will Will Will, Will's making seven birdies and changing his putting. Like uh, he's he's clearly too good at golf. He's just making a mess of himself just to see if he can make make himself any better. Now I'm trying to think. Um no, for sure. No, you definitely are. Definitely definitely not the the highest because I can think of episode number one, um, my mate Cheese, Chihan. Uh, Chihan's probably just uh, just below twenty. I think he's 
swimming around 18, 19. So, yeah, definitely not the worst handicap. And, and again, 18, 20 is not a bad handicap. There's not many people that get down um, below below 20. So that's good golf. Don't feel no, bad. I'm at, that, I'm at that point where I'm sitting at 14 and, you know, you want to buy a brand new set of irons and all the new irons yes. have just come out and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, nah, I've got to get to single digits before I can spend, you know, <laughs> two, two grand on a new bag and all that stuff. But, uh, yeah, no, thanks for having me, mate. Um, glad I can... Um, share a little bit about wines and you know hopefully you know some punters didn't get too too bored through the wine chat and uh, got to the good stuff but also um, hopefully we've put a couple of recommendations out there and um, while people are watching a bit of golf in the Napa Valley maybe they can pop down to Dan Murphy's and pick up a Napa cab yeah um, to watch Lukey Herbert and Maxie get around (laughs) and demolish your boys they probably will and if anyone wants to follow you on the socials what is the uh, Instagram handle very, very original. Just my name, Jordan Gravestein, G-R-A-V-E-S-T-E-I-N. I'll tag Jordan as well on the pics, which will come up, uh, probably post them on Wednesday, just so everyone's on the same page, just so I don't get emails saying, where's the email? Uh, I am traveling this week. I'm off to the States for a week and a half on Friday morning. Uh, so we will be having a pre-record for the next episode, which will still come out on a Monday night, Melbourne time. It'll be episode one of the two-part for the Ryder Cup, it'll be Team Europe um, with a special guest to talk to Team Europe. The email will definitely come out with all the picks still for this weekend. And then there'll be a special email for the full Ryder Cup breakdown player by player, which will come out the week after. Uh, why will there be no breakdown of the event? Because the week after is a Solheim Cup, which we won't be betting on. Um, Liv is playing uh, in Chicago at the Rich Harf- Harvest Farms, and I just don't have enough detail on Liv to feel confident putting picks out there. Otherwise, I could just tell you to pick the favourites every week. Um, so there's not a lot going on. There'll be no there'll be no PGA Tour. There'll be no DP World Tour live event and then an LPGA Solheim Cup um, teams event. So it's a, probably a good week to send out the uh, the full breakdown on the on the uh, Ryder Cup. So that'll be out. And then I'll be back for the week after with episode two, full breakdown on the US team. And then we go straight into the Ryder Cup. So looking forward to that. Jordan, again, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you so much, and I'll see you on the uh, first tier at the Open sometime soon. Done, mate. Book it in. Thanks, guys, and thanks for listening. Bye.